the end of September, uh, we can record now. Um, we, we took a, a long break last year, uh, the end of September, and um, we, 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 we paused, we looked at an Advent series um, that, that kept us for four weeks, and last week we looked at Daniel chapter one, um, just charting the year and looking forward to what God is going to do for us this year, um, giving us courage to stand on the truth. Um, normally what we do, we go through the book of Mark, um, and, and we are going to go through that even this morning. Um, the last time we were going through Mark, remember, we ended in chapter 6. Uh, in Mark chapter 6, um, this is where Jesus heals the sick and, uh, and Gennesaret. Um, now, remember the, the overarching theme of uh, Mark that Mark is at pains to show us Christ, in, in a way, as we, we sang. Uh, the, the theme is seeing the Son of God, right? That the, the thing that the, the Pharisees, uh, the, the, the scribes, the Sadducees, including the disciples, were not seeing is who Christ really is. And, and so Mark writes with the intention of showing us Christ, the fact that Christ is the Son of God. And by the way, uh, that term, Son of God, is a theological uh, term that refers to the fact that Jesus Christ is very God of very God. Today we are in chapter 7 of Mark, and we're going to look at verse 1 up until verse 21, and um, uh, actually up until verse 23. And the, the topic is spiritually clean hearts. Spiritually clean hearts. Let us take our reading from uh, Mark chapter 7, verse uh, 1, up until verse 23. And uh, we are going to go through this as God leads us this morning. Um, I'm reading from the ESV. Follow me as I read God's word. Now the Pharisees gathered to him with some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem, they saw that some of his disciples ate with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. Then there's a parenthesis there. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands, holding uh, to the tradition of the elders. And when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other traditions that they observe, such as the washing of cups and pots and copper vessels and dining couches. And the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, why do your disciples not walk according to the tra tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? But we, he said to them, well did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, as it is written, this people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. And he said to them, you have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition. For Moses said, honor your father and your mother. And whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, if a man tells his father or his mother, whatever you would have gained from me is Corban. That is given 
to God. Then you no longer permit him to do anything for his father or mother, thus making uh, void the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down. And many such things do many such, such things you do. And he called the people to him again and said to them, Hear me, all of you, and understand. There's nothing outside a person that, is, that by going into him can defile him. But the things that come out of a person are what defile him. And when he had entered the house and, and, left, the people, um, and left the people, his disciples asked him about the parable, and he said to them, Then you are also without understanding. Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him, since it enters not his heart but his stomach and is expelled? Thus he declared, All foods clean. And he said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For, for from within, out of the heart of men, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, uh, uh, wickedness, uh, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and they defile a person. This is the word of God. Let us pray. Indeed, Lord, it is your word. A word that searches our hearts, a word that exposes our hypocrisy. May we not uh, shy away from it. May we not hide ourselves, but may we expose ourselves to its light. That in exposure to the light, we may have our eyes opened. We may have our hearts cleansed and purified. We may have our minds shaped with your truth and our lives honored and submitted and given to you. In Jesus' blessed name. Amen. One Sunday, uh, a man sat through uh, a church service and then on the way home, he fasted about the sermon, how long the sermon was and how convoluted the pastor was. He griped. As, as he was driving about the traffic, he complained about the heat, and he made a big fuss about how late the lunch was, uh, the lunch meal was served. Then he bowed and prayed, giving thanks for the food. His son, all along, was watching him uh, through this post-church experience. Just as they were beginning to pass the food, he said, Dad, did God hear you when you, we left the church and you started fussing about the sermon and about the traffic and about the heat? The father blushed and said, well, yes, son. One way at church and another at home are hypocrites, people who attempt to do while acting all, like all is well are hypocrites. Now, there should be no one, no people like that in the church, but sadly, there are some in every congregation. And, 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 and have you heard uh, how unbelievers use uh, you know, uh, this as, as, I can't come to church because there are so many hypocrites there. Well, this is how you answer them oftentimes. Well, it wouldn't hurt to have one more. Hypocrites are nothing new, right? In this passage, Jesus has an encounter with a whole group of hypocrites. They have come from Jerusalem. When you look at verse 1, they came to watch him in order to find fault with him and his ministry. 
when they arrive and begin to wash Jesus, it does not take them long to find something to complain about. These men see the disciples of Jesus eating food without washing their hands, and they are offended. They, they attack Jesus over this issue, but he turns the table on them. They, they think the issue is one of clean hands, but Jesus shows them that the issue really is about clean hearts. The text has something to say to us today. We, we still have those people who are more concerned about clean hands than they are about clean hearts. Jesus is going to teach us that the inside of a person should match the outside of that person. He is going to teach us that we are, what we are in our heart is what we really are. Right? The, the heart reflects the man or the woman. He is going to teach us that hypocrisy and legalism have no place in our hearts. Legalism, by the way, is a thing of wanting to add to the word of God and wanting to live with God on the basis of your um, act. That what I do is, is akin to rubbing God in the back and he rubs my back as well. Jesus is going to teach us that true defilement comes from the inside but from the outside. Let me, before, before we go on into the sermon, let me, let me just, um, as a parenthesis again, uh, uh, deal with this in our African cultures, right? Uh, whenever we, 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 we have funerals, right? Uh, uh, we come in from the graveyard and coming back. Before you get into the yard, there's this uh, bucket of water that they put there. O oftentimes, that bucket of water is to cleanse you from the defilement that you uh, uh, experienced in the grave. But when we become Christians, uh, that defilement is not uh, what we, we are concerned about. Right? We sometimes, in order to minister to our families, in order to show them the transforming power of the gospel, is when we reject some of these things. Right? Uh, we don't reject culture as, as, as a whole. We still do Lawala, right? Uh, maybe we need to have a conversation about that one day. But, but uh, there's nothing wrong with Lawala. But as Christians, we know that there are some things that are traditionally connected with Lawala that we have rejected, right? Like talking to the ancestors, like uh, doing this and this, uh, you know, uh, killing for the ancestors. We, 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 we still apply the things that we, 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 we know are good while we refuse the things that are God-dishonoring, Right? And we'll see even how this passage addresses the issue of defilement and cleanness. Because defilement is not about what you touch. It is about what is in your heart. Does it make sense? Okay, let's go back. So on these verses, uh, I want to preach from these verses and then preach on the subject of spiritually clean hearts. Right? And I want us to watch Jesus as he reveals these religious hypocrites for what they are. As we do, let him speak to your heart today. It may be that you will see that in your quest for clean hearts, in your quest for clean hands, you actually have a dirty heart. 
Now we're going to see it in three phases. First of all, we see the problem confronted, and we the problem is confronted from verse one to verse five. As these Hebrew, as these Pharisees and scribes watched Jesus and his men, they noticed that the disciples were eating without washing their hands. When they saw this, they found fault. They they found fault with um, what was happening. The, the word fault means to, to place blame, right? They, 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 they then turned their attention to Jesus because he was the leader of the disciples. He was their rabbi, and as such, he was responsible for their behavior. Now, now the disciples were not eating with dirty hands. Uh, you, you, you must understand the story. It was not the matter of the fact that their hands were literally dirty. Uh, the, the, the problem is brought to light as Mark continues his narrative. Uh, according to verses 3 uh, to, to verse, to verse uh, uh, 4, in that parenthesis, uh, as, as Mark explains, the Pharisees and all religious Jews would not eat because they had washed their hands, uh, uh, they had not washed their hands a certain way, right? They, they, they had to, in a, in a way, to wash their hands ceremonially, not on the tap. This was especially true when they returned from the marketplace as they might have brushed his shoulders with a Gentile and, and been defiled. For, for, for the Jews, all religious people, everything uh, revolves around ritual. This washing had nothing to do with the cleaning, uh, with cleaning the hands. It was a ceremonial cleansing. Uh, this, this is what John MacArthur uh, uh, says. He describes it this way. He says, this washing had nothing to do with cleaning dirty hands, but with a ceremonial, clean, uh, a ceremonial rinsing. The ceremony involved someone pouring water out of a jar onto another's hands whose fingers must be pointing up. As long as the water dripped off, off, off at the waist, the, 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 the person could proceed to the next step. He then had water poured over his hands with the fingers pointing down. Each hand was to be rubbed with the fist of the other hand. But the problem with their rules is that they were not from God. They were traditions of the elders. The, the tradition of the elders came into being with good intentions, obviously. Right? The Mishnah, uh, one of the Jewish uh, uh, books, says that the tradition is a fence around the law. In, in an effort to protect the law from people, the ancient Jews added to that law. They added restrictions that went beyond the, the letter of the law. The, the Jewish leaders believed that the traditions helped people keep the law better and they believed that their traditions protected the law from the people. One writer shares the following fences uh, uh, that were created by the Jews. Listen to this. For example, he says, looking in the mirror was forbidden because if you looked into the mirror on the Sabbath day and saw a gray hair, you might be tempted to pull it out and thus perform work on the Sabbath. You also could not wear your, your false teeth Right? If they fell out, you would have to pick them up and you would be working. In regard to carrying a burden, you would, you would not carry a handkerchief on the Sabbath. You, you could 
wear a handkerchief. Uh, that meant if you were upstairs and wanted to take the handkerchief downstairs, you would have to tie it around your neck, walk downstairs, and untie it. Then you could blow your nose downstairs. The, the, the rabbis debated about a man with a wooden leg. If his home caught on fire, could he carry his wooden leg out of the house on Sabbath? One could sit on the ground, but you had to be careful where you spit. If it landed on the dead, and you, you, you scuffed it with your sandal, you would be cultivating the soil and thus performing work. You see, it's easy to see how foolish such man-made rules had become. Again, the problem with their rules is that they were not from God, but from men. Their rules were not God's rules. They were rules made by men seeking to control other men. We still have the Pharisees with us today. There are plenty of people who try to force you to live by their rules. They want to tell you how you can dress, where you can go, what you can do. You, you can't wear open-toed shoes because they are worldly. You can't go to the beach because it's worldly. Your hair is too long. Your hair is too short. You can't eat here. It's silly rules by silly Pharisees is all they are. When you pray, the most powerful time to pray is at 12 o'clock midnight. You know those things. When you start the year, you must fast for 21 days like Daniel, as if Daniel fasted. All of these things. Right? They, 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 they come up with these rules and they try to, to, to even sanitize them with the word of God. And when you're not doing them, you're not being a faithful Christian in their eyes. You see, the problem with man-made rules is just that. They are man-made rules and they do not belong to the Lord. When God's word says something is wrong, then it is wrong without question. In, in fact, uh, we, we live in, a, in an age that is so progressive, right? that is redefining marriage, redefining sexuality, redefining a whole lot of things. But our cue, our, our uh, you know, uh, reference point is not the progression of the world, where the world is progressing in its liberties, right? Our reference point is the word of God. And, and in fact, what the word of God called sin 2,000 years ago, let me tell you, it is sin today. It is still sin. It is non-negotiable. We, 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 we do not sit with God on the table and negotiate how we can edit his word. It is his word. It will remain his word. When the Bible is silent on an issue, you have liberty in the Lord. We shouldn't call uh, sin what the Bible doesn't call sin. As I said, you know, people wear open toe shoes, uh, and I can see them here. Uh, <laughs> the Bible does not say anything about open toe shoes. 
right? <laughs> we shouldn't call it a sin when it is not a sin. Lest we become a cult. God's way is for us to weigh every action against, um, you know, the, the considerations of the word. For example, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12, Paul says, all things are lawful for me, but not all, all things are helpful. Right? All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated by anything. There are some things that are, might not be seen in, in and of themselves, but with those things, we can cause our fellow brothers and sisters to stumble. And so we need to apply wisdom, right, on those um, kind of things. We, we need to be careful. In, in, in other words, we understand the, the, the fact that uh, idols are not, uh, you know, real, right? Uh, um, but again, one of the ways that we can minister to our families um, who are not saved, is that when there are ceremonies surrounding ancestral beliefs and ancestral worship, and, and they slaughter a cow, you have all the liberty to eat that cow. But do they offer a cow or, or, or a goat? You have all the liberties to eat that animal. But for the sake of your faith and for the sake of, uh, 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 what do you call, testimony to them, you refrain from those things, right? So that you can minister to the fact that my faith and this are at odds. That is how we minister. You see, when you become a Christian and you are afraid to speak and stand for the truth, especially in our African uh, settings, you put yourself in a position where you will compromise and compromise and compromise. Right? When the child is sick, what do they say? The child must go through certain ceremonies. You continue to compromise bit by bit. But when you're in Christ, you stand on the word. Right? You stand on the word. Now, uh, the second uh, thing that we see, we, we, we saw now the, 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 the problem um, confronted. Um, secondly, in verse 6 to verse 14, we see the problem condemned. The problem condemned. So these men are upset with Jesus because his disciples did not perform the ritual washings of the Jews. In these verses, Jesus reveals the hypocrisy of their hearts. In verse 6 to verse 9, Jesus condemns their legalism. They, 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 they add to the word. He accuses these men of being hypocrites. He, he quotes Isaiah chapter 29 verse 13 and accuses them of elevating their traditions to the point that they carry more weight than the word of God. History reveals that the, religious, uh, the Jewish religious leaders came to honor their traditions far above the word of God. According to, to Warren Wesby, he says, Rabbi Eliezer said, he who expounds the scriptures in opposition to the tradition has no share in the world to come. The Mishnah, as I said, uh, a collection of Jewish traditions in the Talmud, uh, Talmud being a commentary on the Old Testament, 
it records, it records this. It says it is a greater offense to teach anything contrary to the voice of the rabbi than to contradict scripture itself. In other words, what, you, what you're looking at here, they are saying that the traditions and the teachings of the rabbi are, are more weightier and more authoritative than the scriptures themselves. We, we see that in some way, even in our time, where, 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 where people flock to these so-called men of God who have a word from God that is contrary to the word of God, and they still take it. They still take it. In other words, they put the word of man above the word of God. In verse 8, he, he even tells them that they have laid aside the commandments of God in favor of their man-made rules and traditions. And in verse 9, he tells them they have actually rejected the commandments of God so that they can keep their traditions. Jesus condemns their blatant hypocrisy. These men are rank legalists. They teach the people that the, the way to be right with God is to keep all the rules. If you can do everything right, God will be pleased with your life and he will accept you. Nothing could be further from the truth. Not only does Jesus condemn their legalism, he also exposes their, the, the, the liberties they take with the law. In verse 10 to 13, Jesus blows the lid of oh, one of the traditions that allows them to step, uh, to, to, to sidestep a commandment. Right? He talks about the practice of korban. Um, the, 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 that word korban means a gift offered to God. The commandments are very clear. God said this in the fifth commandment. In, in Exodus chapter 20, verse 12, he says, Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. In Exodus chapter 21, verse 17, he says, Whoever curses his father or his mother shall be put to death. A part of this idea of honoring one's parent included the necessity of providing for their needs as long as they lived when they cannot do that for themselves. Most of us still, still believe it in that day, to this day, right? Well, the Jews found a way around it. They, they, they found a loophole. If they said that their money or possessions were korban, were a gift offered to God, they could only use that money or goods in sacred matters. Thus, they were off the hook regarding the care of their parents. They would just tell mom and dad that their staff was dedicated to the Lord and they wouldn't be getting anything. Talk about cold hearts, right? Jesus tells them that they have made the laws of God ineffective by their traditions in verse 13. There are two extremes that, that we, 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 we go through as Christians. We are uh, in danger. And then the first extreme is the extreme of adding to the word of God. Adding things that are not there to the word of God. That's what we address, it's legalism. The other extreme is, you know, is liberalism. You know, being at liberties to, uh, you know, what do you call it? Uh, to set aside the word of God, right? And Jesus warns against this too. As Christians, we are a people who are 
living Coram Deo, as, as the, the, the theologians say. We're living right in the presence of God, right? Coram Deo is a word that says in the face of God. We're living in the face of God. And, and, and as people that recognize the fact that we live in the face of God, we are people that realize that we take instruction from the word of God. The, the, the word of God shapes us and how we relate to God, how we relate to one another, how we relate to the earth, right? We are not people that have liberties with the word of God. We are not editors, right? We don't have an editor when it comes to the word of God. problem um, in verse 14 to verse 23 clarified. The problem clarified. In, in these verses, Jesus shares so much, uh, so, so much needed light on the subject. First, Jesus tells the crowd in verse 14 to 16 that it is not what comes into the body like eating with unwashed hands that causes spiritual defilement. It is those things that arise from within the heart of a person that can defile him or her. The disciples are confused by this in verse 17, and they ask Jesus about what it means. He gives them a quick lesson in anatomy in verses 18 to verse 19, and reminds them that what goes into the body passes through the body. It goes in one end and comes out the other end, but it does not affect the heart or the inner man. It may cause uh, sickness in the body if you eat food that is off, um, but it cannot cause sickness in the soul. Jesus is telling us that external things cannot cause spiritual defilement. We, we do not need a, 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 a goat to be slaughtered in order to be cleansed. We, we do not need a chicken to be slaughtered in order to be uh, cleansed. Yes, we need goats to be slaughtered and chickens to be <laughs> slaughtered so that we can feast, not because they have any uh, spiritual uh, effect on us. Our protection is from God. Our protection is from God. Amen? Now that is when you should say hallelujah. <laughs> it is from God. In verse 20, Jesus reveals that spiritual defilement is always the result of a defiled heart. Every sin whether it is a sin of the body or of the mind, has its birth in our heart. We do the things we do because of defilement within. Keeping external rules will not change the heart. The heart can only be changed, and spiritual defilement cleansed away by the new birth. It is only when we are born again, it is only when we repent of our sins and trust in Jesus that we will be right with God. Jesus is able to take a, a defiled sinner and wash them with his blood. We, we do not need the blood of bulls and goats. We need the blood of Jesus. And this is an issue we all need to understand. The blood of Jesus is enough. It avails for all of us. He's able to make them a new creature, right? Is able to make us new creatures 
in verse 21 to verse 23, Jesus gives a partial list of the attitudes and actions that cause spiritual defilement. These are things that make us unclean in the sight of God, not breaking foolish rules that are made up by foolish men. Let's examine this list and see what condition our hearts are in today. First of all, he talks about um, evil thoughts. Evil thoughts. This is the root of all that follows. When, when an evil heart conjures up evil intentions, the evil person will carry them out. Oftentimes, when, when I used to... Um, Counsel uh, young men who were caught in, in pornography. Uh, one of the things that we will realize is that when you don't win the battle here, you will never ever win the battle. The battle is won in the mind first, with any sin, right? You win the battle here. We transform our minds by the word of God, right? We are transformed daily with the word of God. We win the battle here. He, secondly, he talks about adulteries. Adultery. This is illicit uh, sexual activity by married persons with people that they are not married to. He talks about fornication, sexual immorality. This word translates the Greek word pornea. This is where we get the word pornography. And it refers to any illicit sexual activity. The, the, the origin of sin is not in the body. It is the result of a defiled person. Sexual immorality in the Bible refers to any sexual activity outside marriage, whether you're married or whether you're not married. And he talks about murders. Murder. The taking of another's life. By the way, you are guilty of murder if you have hatred in your heart toward another person, according to Jesus. He talks about theft. Taking that which does not belong to you for your own use. This covers a lot of territory. Even, even, even giving in the church, right? He talks about covetousness, an insensible desire, an insensible craving for that which belongs to another. He talks about wickedness. This word means malice. It refers to all the ways that evil thought manifest themselves in a person's life. It is deliberate acts of meanness. Being deliberately mean it talks about deceit. This word refers to cunning maneuvers designed to ensnare someone for one's personal advantage. It is the idea of someone trying to work undercover to bring someone else down. Sneaky, deceptive, uh, you, know, you know, people fall in this category. Lying in order to tarnish characters of other people. It talks about licentiousness. This word refers to unrestrained, shameless behavior. It is an attitude that says, I will do as I please, and I do not care what anyone thinks about it. By the way, Christianity is not about I'm doing me. It is not about that. It is not a do you boo boo kind of thing. We are a community. We have a Lord. We have the word that defines what our lives must look like. And when you act in ways that are outside uh, the, the word of God, the, the, the community and people around you have all the right in the world to lovingly confront you and call you back to the word of God. It is not a matter of 
you are judging me. It talks about an evil eye. This is a Hebrew expression that speaks of envy and jealousy. It looks at the blessing of another and desires it not say the same thing could happen to me, but desires the blessing for themselves and not for you. It is envious when others prosper. It talks about blasphemy, injurious, injurious and, and, and defaming speech directed at either God or man, gossip and, 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 and incurring, uh, 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 fall into this, this cursing, fall into this category. It talks about pride, the boastful exaltation of oneself. It is the attitude that says, look at me, see what I have done. No one is good or as great as I am. This is an overbearing attitude that is the opposite of humanity. He talks about foolishness. This, this word refers to those who are morally and spiritually desensitized. They, they cannot see their sins. Neither can they sense the Lord working in and around them. And with this kind of person, there is no spiritual illumination. There is no spiritual discernment. They do not know God, and there is no desire to even know him. Even the outside is right. These things can, will define you when they reside in your heart. I read something from uh, Thomas, Wat um, Thomas Watson, the Puritan. He says, boats can, um, you know, be above the water. Um, they, they, they can be above the water uh, and, and, and spend time in the water. But once the water gets into the boat, they start sinking. And then he applies it and he says, even Christians can live in the world. But when the world gets into the Christian, that's when they start sinking. Here's the problem. Slapping a religious patch on a defiled heart will not make things right. The religious Jews did not did everything by the book, but they were still responsible for sending Jesus to the cross. Outwardly they were clean, inwardly they were defiled. Jesus was not fooled by human nature. He knew that men were sinners and that they were capable of any sin imaginable. Men are still sinners, right? Even today, we are, we are still sinners. We still need the grace of God. Every person in this room is capable of every sin in the list we just covered and more. In fact, some here today are guilty of some of these things and you know it. That defiled hearts in this room and they need to be cleansed. If that is to happen, there must be acceptance of the truth of your condition and there must be repentance of your sins. If these things are in your heart today, you are spiritually defiled, dirty, and in deep trouble today. Let me conclude by telling the story. Once a grouchy old, de uh, old deacon was teaching a boy's Sunday school class. He wanted to help them understand what a Christian was, so he asked them a question. Listen carefully. He asked, why do people call me a Christian? There was a moment of silence, and then one of the boys said out loud, maybe it's because they don't know you. Just like that little boy, Jesus always told it like it was. He told the Pharisees and the scribes exactly what they were. He told his disciples exactly what resided within their hearts. Now right in the middle of our text in verse 16, in that verse Jesus said, If any man have ears to hear, 
let him hear. What has the Lord spoken to your heart today? The whole point of this passage is simple. The problem with mankind is the problem of the heart. That is where the Lord looks upon us. He looks at the heart. This is where sin originates. That is the part of man that needs to be changed. Are you a hypocrite? Do you hide behind the mask pretending to be one thing when in reality you are another? You are not hiding it all that well. Your secret is not safe. Are you a hypocrite? I would rather be called anything but a hypocrite. But God, help us, right? Are you a legalist? Do you expect anyone to live, everyone to live just like you do? Do you stand in judgment of them when they don't with your man-made rules? Do you have a defiled heart? What if God were to drag the contents of your heart out in the open today? Would you ever recover from the shame and the embarrassment of being exposed for what they really are? Have you truly been born again? Do you know the Lord? Do you know the Lord? I'm not asking if you know about the Lord. I'm asking if you know the Lord. I'm asking if Jesus is your Savior and He is your Lord. Has Jesus saved your soul and changed your life? Or have you been pretending to be a believer? If any man has ears to hear, let him hear. What has the Lord spoken to you today? What has the Lord said to you today? If he has spoken to you, then you need to come and get it right today. This might be your last warning before the storm of God's judgment breaks on the bow of your life. Look into your heart right now. What do you find there? Anger? Lust? Divisiveness? Unforgiveness? Pride? Hatred? Deviousness? Or do you find love? Joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and patience. What dwells in your heart is what you really are. He who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Lord says this morning. Let's pray. We acknowledge, Lord, with the singer who says, prone to wander, prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart. Lord, we pray that you change our hearts. Make them ever true. Make us more like Jesus. We sometimes wear faces that are not really us. We are actors on the stage. Save us, O oh God, from our own selves, our own attempt to live by our own rules, our own foolishness to ignore your rules, your, your, your word. Help us honor you, live for you. There are those, Lord, who do not know you, even in our midst, those who are listening. We pray for them, that you will convict them and show them that 
there are things that we rely on that, are, that will not help us. But you are the one, Lord, that you are our only hope. You are our only, the only one who can save us. And so we look to you. Save us and lead us. Care for us. In Jesus' name we pray.